Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Proverbs 3, 5-6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Psalms 118, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Psalms 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. Joshua 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalms 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Every time it's West Huntsville's turn to host the area-wide, I get really excited because I know how the singing's going to be, and tonight it's been terrific, and I'm just so glad that you're here. I want to welcome every single one of you who is visiting with us tonight. And I want to welcome all of you who are watching via live stream too, and we have people around the country watching tonight, and you're just as welcome as you can be. I always feel like that when I come to this time, that I want this to be as practical a lesson as I can make it. I want, to, I want to give you something that will make a difference, that will help you to sort through things in the Scriptures. I don't know if I always strike the target right in the middle, but I just want you to know that's what I intend to do. That's what I want to do. I want to talk tonight from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And so if you have your Bible and you want an outline of the sermon... I want everybody then to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. I want to talk about what it means to be gay. It's a Bible subject. Much, I think, to the aggravation of a lot of people in the country tonight, it's a Bible subject. I hope that you won't ever forget this. I think, I think that I think kids today have unique challenges. It's not that... that this business, this idea about homosexuality has not been around for a long time. I mean, it's, it was in Corinth, the first century. But it is the case that, that for Americans to have, have the kind of pressure put on them to accept the kinds of ideas, the ideology of the gay movement, that's, that's rather new. And so I want to talk about what the Scriptures have to say on this important subject. Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, I want to give you five important, undeniable facts. 
that we learn from this passage. And here's the first one. It's that the Bible says that people in Corinth who practiced homosexuality, who were gay, were not going to go to heaven. They would not inherit heaven. Now, I, I probably need to say right now as a disclaimer that it really doesn't matter what I think. And I know that. Uh, this, is, uh, this is not arrogant. It's just to say that this is a sermon. We've come here to worship God and to study from his word. This is not about me. It's about what the Bible says. Now, I'm saying that the scripture says here that, that uh, people who practice this were not going to inherit heaven. Now, look at it for yourself and decide whether or not that's what it says. What I want you to think about is this. Here are the Greek words for these two things relative to our subject. So, effeminate homosexuals nor sodomites. Now, look, next slide. Here, here are the Greek words. The first one in, the, in Strong's lexicon means soft, soft to the touch, in a bad sense, effeminate, of a catamite of a boy kept for homosexual relations with a man. And so that, that has to do with a type of prostitution. But the second one is translated sodomites, which is kind of interesting because it goes back to the Old Testament, of course, Genesis chapter 19 and Sodom and Gomorrah. But it literally means one who lies with a male as with a female, sodomite, homosexual. So there's no ambiguity here. And some people say, well, what's really wrong with homosexuality in the scriptural prohibitions would be forced action, would be a rape action, not a consensual one. So long as love is there, it's a loving relationship that the Bible doesn't condemn it. I just want you to look at this and that second word there and, and ask yourself, which of those is it? And the answer is that it's just about the practice. It's not about the motive behind the practice. This simply has to do with the practice. Now, this is something that, that was true all through the Bible. You have three different dispensations of time in the Scriptures, and you've heard of that before. You have the patriarchal age, the, the Mosaic age, and the Christian age. In every age, always in every age of time, biblically, it was wrong to be gay, to practice homosexuality. So, Follow me on this. We go to Genesis chapter 19 first, and you have the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 5, you know, the angels are there, and they're in the form of men, and they come and they stay in the house with Lot on the city square there where Lot's house was. And there's a knocking at the door. It's the men of the city who have come, and they say, we saw these men come into your place, and we want you to send them out. This is the New King James translation, that we may know them carnally. Hmm. People sometimes fuss about that, you know. What does it mean? What was, the, what was the sin in Sodom? And surely it wasn't just homosexuality. Well, we don't have to wonder a lot about this. Next slide. So, so here's what Jude says about it. Verse 7 of the ESV. Um, the ESV combines those two words uh, about homosexual, effeminate, and sodomites. And, and they just rolled it all, ESV just rolls it into one Thing, and they refer to it in that translation as just men who practice homosexuality. All right, so here's Jude verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So the question, all I'm, all I'm doing with this one is to show you that in the patriarchal age, this was the sin in Sodom, and this was what brought God's wrath. By the way, Jesus signed on to this. So you mustn't ever think that, that Jesus had nothing to say about this subject about gay rights and all. 
when he talked to his disciples and sent them into different towns, he said, now, when you go into a town, if they just reject your teaching about Jesus, about me, I want you to shake the dust off your feet. And then he reached back in his mind and thought about the most obvious group of people that he could imagine. You know that they're lost. And here's what he said. I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for them. Jesus, Jesus just signed on to the fact that what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah was wicked and that, that they couldn't be right with God in that sin. Okay, so there's patriarchal age. Now, walk with me to the Mosaic age. Here's the law of Moses. Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 22. You shall not lie with a, a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things. Now, I know that's a little embarrassing to read, but I just want you to understand something. This is not ambiguous. It's not, it's not like we have to decipher it or you need a degree in theology to get this. This is really plain talk. And I'll tell you something else. This was not about civil rights. You, you don't want to put that. I mean, the Scripture doesn't say being gay is the same as being uh, of a minority. Eh? You, know, you say being gay is like being black or, or brown or whatever. No, see, the, where, the, where the Lord would put this is with awful perversion having to do with animals. That's where he would put this sin of homosexuality. Now we get to Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now this is not our law. I mean by that, that we are not bound by the old law to carry out capital punishment against this sin. But what we do understand is that in this old law of Moses, this was it. This was God's position on this subject. So we have the patriarchal age, the Mosaic age. Now let's go to the Christian age. Here's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. And I want to read from the, New King, uh, from the ESV. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. And now he's going to give examples. The ungodly, sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, sexually immoral, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I've been entrusted. Now, just look at that and answer this question. This is not about me. I'm just saying that there's no ambiguity here. This is not confusing. It's not like the Bible dances around the subject. I'm just saying it says it. That's what it says. The Mosaic, the patriarchal, patriarchal age, the Mosaic age, and then the Christian age. So the first point I want you to get is this. Undeniable fact. The Bible says that people who practice homosexuality will not inherit heaven. That's what it says. All right, back to chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. Here's the second thing. Gay rights or the practice of homosexuality carry deception in Corinth. So the Bible says this. I'm back to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. That's very interesting. In other words, there was something about this 
It wasn't just homosexuality. It was some other sins too, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But homosexuality was one of them. And he says, there's deception. Don't be deceived about this. Well, I should say there is. I think that there, there are a lot of deceptions out there trying to convince people that this is all right today. But it isn't. Well, can you, th- can you think of some arguments that are made in support of gay rights or in support of homosexuality? Let me give you three. Here's the first one. It's not a choice. It's, it's not a choice. You, you, just, you just don't understand. This is who I am. In other words, I guess, I guess there are only two possibilities. If either you were created, created this way or you made the choice, right? And the fact is that you weren't created this way. God did not create people to be homosexuals. He didn't create people to have ambiguity and confusion about what gender they were. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but I mean, that's just not not how the Scripture portrays it at all. Is it a choice? It's a choice. It is a choice. It may not be a choice whether or not you're tempted by the sin. It is a choice whether or not you participate in the sin. Now, what's interesting about this one to me is that this is obsolete. This one, this is old news, right? This is not really so popular anymore. And here's the reason, is that the movement a long time ago, I mean, a few years ago, they wanted to do this because they wanted to link homosexuality with the civil rights movement. Again, being gay is like being black, that, that it's, it's who you are. It's, it's, you didn't choose this, it's who you are. But, of course, the movement has progressed beyond that. And now where we are is that it is a choice. It is a choice. And pansexuality says anybody, anytime, anywhere, anything I want is is who I am. And so they want to portray it now as a choice. So they they abandon that civil rights kind of argument to, to be more free. I want my freedom, and so I get to choose anything I want. It's a deception. Now, can you choose well, I mean, you can choose any, any sin you want to live in, and you can reject God if you want to. But ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, this comes down to the Bible. It comes down to what the Bible says. And in that regard, it's not a choice. The Bible's simply too plain. Here's the second one. What about love? I thought that Christians were about love and not hate. I just think you're just being so cruel. I can't believe you're saying these things to me. It really hurts me that you're saying that, the, that this is wrong, but it's who I am, and I can't help it. It's just, it's just who I am. And I, I thought you people loved, why are you so mean? Why are you so hateful? I don't think it's hateful at all. I just don't think it's a question about love. I mean, you don't want to follow the conclusion. You don't want to follow that logic to the conclusion to suggest that any relationship, any sexual relationship is going to be okay. It's a right thing so long as love is involved. You don't want to go there, do you? Well, people are, you know, with pedophilia now. Are you kidding me? It's not just about love. Biblically, it's never been the case that a relationship, a physical relationship like this, is determined or justifiable by this one question. Do they love one another? No, no, that's not, that is not the question. Would you apply that to adultery? No, you better not do that. The Bible's too plain about that. You certainly wouldn't do it with pedophilia. Would you do it with just plain old fornication? And the answer is, no, you better not do that. The Bible won't allow that. Well, it won't allow it with homosexuality either. All right, here's the third one. What about this one? If you're tempted to homosexuality, you are homosexual. This is the big one, I think. And this is so, 
much relative to teenagers today. This is about teens. It's about saying, you, you have to be true to yourself. You have to be true to your feelings and who you are and the essence of you. And, and if you've ever been tempted to somebody <clears throat> of your own gender, then you're, you're, you're bi or you're gay or you're whatever, and that's who you are. And anybody who would criticize that is just worthy of your hate because they're the worst people on the planet. They're, they're terrible people. Well, you know what? I may be a terrible person, but this isn't about me. It's, it's between you and God. And what I'm saying is that is this. Just because you're tempted to a sin does not make you a person who commits that sin. I mean, apply the logic to something else. You've been tempted to steal something that make you a thief? No, no. I mean, you could just run the gamut about that. I think about all sorts of sins. The Lord himself, himself was tempted, but he was without sin. So just being tempted does not identify you as somebody who's in that sin. And that's true about homosexuality. If you've been tempted to this, it doesn't mean that that's what you are, right? And even if you've experimented, if, if, a, if a person has experimented with this sin, I would argue that it doesn't, it means that he committed a sin or she committed a sin. It doesn't mean that that's defined you. It doesn't have to define you. It's not who you are. It's something that you did. Did you ever tell a lie? Yep. I suppose you did. I suppose all of us did. I mean, when we were kids, I suppose we tried it because it just made so much sense, you know. Make life go along a lot smoother if I tell a lie sometimes. But you grew up and you, and you put that away and now you're not a liar, are you? Just because you may have experimented with that sin does not make you a liar. You committed that sin, but you got rid of it in your life, and now you're not that, and you're not a liar. The person who's experimented with this sin, I'm telling you, that doesn't define them. And this jazz that says that if you've ever been tempted this way, if you've thought this way, if there's ever been something going on in your brain about this, that that defines you, and better nobody ever tell you that what we need to do, you know, what we ought to do is just to give kids drugs and see if we can make this a more permanent decision in them because that's who they are. I deny that. That's just wrong. It's just foolishly wrong. The fact is that just because you're tempted to a sin doesn't make it who you are. And that's true. So the second thing is that that Paul says here in verse 9, don't be deceived. And I reckon there's a lot of deception going on about this sin. Here's number three. Number three is that homosexuality is not a unique sin. And homosexuality is a unique sin. Back to the text. Look at, look at the, homosexuality is not the one sin in here. It's just one among others. Don't you know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And look at the list now. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't you think it's interesting that that homosexuality is not in bold letters. I mean, it's not like he, he narrowed this down to this big sin, and this is the, that's not how it is. <clears throat> I'll tell you something, is that you and I are tempted to sin. We are, and people have different kinds of temptations. And James says in James 1 that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And there's a sense in which one sin in this list is not worse than another sin in this list. All of these are, are sins against God. It will keep you out of heaven. 
But homosexuality is unique in another way. I do not know, it's this, I do not know, I do not know of a sin that's being promoted on kids more than this gay, gay thing. I mean, the very idea, you, you're being forced or an attempt is being made to force teenagers and those of us who are older too, you've got to accept this. You've got not just to tolerate it, what you've got to do is approve it. And if your child, if your teenager comes up one day and says, I'm gay, what you've got to do is, is to hug him or hug her and say, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you for being honest about who you are. Really? No, no, that, that's not right. That's not going to be right. It's not right. It's a unique sin because what's happening right now is an immense pressure, unlike any other. I don't think that in schools right now there's any pressure. Now, kids have to believe in adultery. I don't, I don't think that. I don't think, oh, man, you know, maybe some people tolerate that. I guess they do. But this, this locomotive going down the tracks is about homosexuality, and that's what you've got to prove. You've got to be in on this, and whether or not you practice it, you must approve it. You've got to approve it. Really? It's not a unique sin in, the, in this passage. It's, it's just in the same list with others. It is unique, however, in the way that this is being promoted today in our land. Here's number four. I'm, getting, I'm giving you five undeniable things from this passage. The fourth one is this, from verse 11. The people in Corinth, ready for this? Were able to choose to not practice homosexuality. I mean, people who did practice it, people who were homosexuals, people who were gay, were able to change. Now, I don't, I, the Bible doesn't say that men who were attracted or women who were attracted to their own gender and they were practicing this, it does not say that then they changed and men married women and women married men. That's not what it says. But what it does say is that they stopped doing it. They stopped practicing this. So verse 11 says, and such were some of you. That's past tense. But that, that, that just means that in the church there, in the church of Christ in Corinth, church of God, which is in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1-2, there, there were some of those Christians who had been practicing this. That's what they were when they came out of the world and they became Christians. The fact of the matter is everybody in the church has to surrender his or her sexuality to the Lord when you become a Christian. You just surrender it. So whatever there is that's going on in your life that is wrong, everybody is equally obligated to give that to God. You surrender that and you repent of that and you do what's right, which is true about all of our sins, isn't it? That's what repentance is about. Some of the people in Corinth had been gay. They were gay. But this, this is past tense. And such were some of you. But they weren't now. That's what the word were means. They were, but they're not now. That's the implication of it. They, they, they quit. They, they, could, they could stop. Now, I want you to understand something. That, that those people in Corinth who were practicing homosexuality, they were homosexuals, they're not now. They, they stopped something. They, they stopped this sin, this abomination, but they didn't stop something that was natural. They stopped the practice of something that wasn't natural to begin with. Now, those are not my words. Th- those are the words of Scripture. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 1. I want you to see this. For this reason, Romans one twenty six, God gave them up to vile passions. For even the women exchanged the natural use for that which is against nature. 
Let that soak in. It's not natural. Likewise, that's just what the Bible says. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Now, I want to ask you a question. Who gets to decide what's natural? That's a really important question. I, th- I, think, that, I think that people today would largely say that everybody gets to do what they want. It doesn't matter. Well, okay, so, so as an American, I'm really glad for freedoms. I'm glad that we can worship tonight in this room. And I tell you what, people can do what they choose to do. And I'm, I understand that freedom. That's not what we're talking about tonight. What we came to talk about is what's God going to approve and not approve. And I'm just saying that we don't have this freedom. And what this says is that it's against nature. Now, now I want you to look again. And when you read that, ask yourself this question. Is there any ambiguity about that? Do you see any ambiguity about that? So what we're going to do, go back, go back now to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, I, you know, uh, in my, the margin of your Bible, you might want to put that God decided that. Right? God stamped them when he made them with identifying marks that says this one is a man and this one is a woman. Male and female created he them. That was his decision. He identified it and God blessed them and God said to them, and here's the reason, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I want you to have families. So you need a man and a woman in order to do that. And God made them that way. Now here's Genesis chapter 2, 21. And God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he took from his side a rib, made a woman, because she was taken out of a man. What was God's intention? Now go to Genesis 2 and verse 23. Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. And Jesus then references that in Matthew 19 this way. Verse 4. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they're no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And putting asunder means to treat it like it's worthless. Well, I suppose there's a great deal of that going on right now. People, people in Corinth, in the, in the church of Christ, some of them had been gay. Some of them had practiced homosexuality. All of them who had done so had become Christians. And so the past tense in verse 11 was applicable to them. Such were some of you. But now the next, this is number five. This this introduces number five. Somebody told him. I mean, this is unavoidable. Somebody told him. And such were some of you. But you've been washed, but you've been sanctified, but you've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what you were. That's not what you are now. Now you're part of the body of Christ. Now you're, you're, in Christ. So how did they learn that? I mean, how in the world did they know? And there's only one conclusion, of course. The implication is that somebody had to tell them. Somebody had to tell them. Who told them? 
Well, logically, it seems to me there's only one real answer to that, and that is the Christians told them. The Christians and talking to their friends and their co-workers and people around them, some of whom were practicing homosexuality, some of them were gay, you know, and, and that there were, there were opportunities and they would, have, they, would, they would talk over lunch and sometimes this subject would come up and, you know, that God's not happy about that, the gay thing. God's not happy about that. And What? Are you crazy? And I suppose they had the same kinds of discussions that people perhaps would have today about this and it was, it was hard to talk about, but they did it. Now, there are four possible positions or postures that you could adopt about homosexuality today. Now, this gets kind of personal. This is where you and I are. There are four ways you personally, one of these you'll have to choose to be, all right? Which of these four will you be? The first one is to practice it. I hope you won't. If you've ever been tempted or you're tempted now, I don't, I don't know how to convince you more than the plain talk of the scriptures we've discussed already tonight, but you could practice it. Number two, you could, you could choose to not practice it, but be supportive of people who do, right? Uh, it's not for me. Mm, I'm, I'm really a straight. I don't, I'm not into that. But look, if you want to do that, look, I'll support you because everybody should do what makes them happy. And I know that you love, I, I was, I was uh, in a room of a number of people recently and a middle-aged woman was talking to another woman and it was, I was just in proximity. I wasn't eavesdropping, but she, she, she referenced her wife. I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of strange about that. That still makes me shake a little bit. So you could, be, you could not practice it, but be supportive of those who do. Here's number three. You, you could hold or believe that it's a sinful practice, Right? You, you could believe the, the things that the scriptures say that we've talked about tonight. Or number four, it seems to me, you could hold that it's a sinful practice and you could look for opportunities, opportunities to teach and encourage homosexuals with whom you may come in contact. Now, I want to ask you a question. Which one did the Christians at Corinth adopt? Which one were they adopting when Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11? When he said, and such were some of you. But you've been washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. You were that, but you're not. Now you're in Christ. Now your sins have been forgiven. You're going to go to heaven. Which one? The answer is that somebody had to tell them. There was somebody, sometime, that, had, that, that told them. And they learned it. And they must have told them in a way that was kind and gentle and appropriate and all of those kinds of things. But they told them. There was some point at which they told them. It wasn't just that these other Christians weren't practicing the sin. It's not just that they, they didn't practice it, but they supported. It wasn't just that they, they held in their hearts that it was a sinful practice. It was that they held it was a sinful practice and they, they were willing to say it. And I'm sure in a kind of loving way, what I know is that however they said it resulted in some people becoming Christians and leaving that gay lifestyle behind. They became Christians. You know what our biggest threat is? about this subject. I'm getting some calls now from um, parents whose, whose teenagers are coming home and saying, I'm gay. And sometimes we'll have elders in the church and they'll, they'll learn that some of the kids are declaring that they're gay. 
And some elders don't know what to do about that. They struggle with, maybe it's just best to not do anything. Our biggest threat, though, I do not believe in the Lord's church is it's going to be that we have large, large numbers of Christians who adopt this lifestyle and start practicing it. I don't think it's going to be a, a large percentage. But I tell you, our, our greatest threat for our souls relative to this discussion tonight is Romans one thirty two. This is the same chapter where he talks about Men left the natural use of the woman for that which is not natural. And women with women and men with men. And it's not natural, he said. And it's abomination. And we've gone through those verses. But when he finishes that chapter, and homosexuality is not the only sin in the chapter. It's one of them. And he goes into some detail about it so that today, tonight, in this assembly, we wouldn't think, wow, that's ambiguous. I don't know what that means. He was very explicit men with men, women with women. He was very clear about it. But then he finishes it, and he concludes this way. Now, I want you to let this soak into your heart, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, spiritual death, eternal death. Not only who do the same, get this last part, but also approve of those who practice them. That's going to get us. That one's going to get us. And that is the warning that I want to put at your feet tonight. Is that not only does the Bible teach that to practice homosexuality will steal your soul eternally. But it also teaches that I cannot be in support of it. So I'm getting you know, uh, uh, emails. So can I go to this wedding? My friend's daughter is going to marry her girlfriend, and can I go to the wedding? If this is true, the answer is no. You can't. Because I don't know any way you could go to the wedding and not imply endorsement of it. You can't. You see? Now, what, is it, what does the word approve mean? Next slide. Look at, the, look at the Greek word for approve. To think well of in common i.e. to assent to, to feel gratified with, to allow, to be pleased, to have pleasure, to be pleased together with, to approve together with others. Sounds a whole lot like a gay wedding, doesn't it? To be pleased at the same time with, consent, agree to, to applaud. Whatever is in that word, he says you, you can't do that. It's wrong to practice the sin, but it's also wrong to approve it. And here's what that word means. Some of you are preachers and elders who are in this assembly are listening tonight. I can remember when I was a young preacher and, and we would preach about Matthew 19.9 and about marriage and divorce and remarriage and Jesus said what he said on that occasion. <clears throat> there were always, there are always preachers who wouldn't preach that. They wouldn't preach that or they wouldn't preach what Jesus said. They would somehow dance around it. They wouldn't, and, and especially if a preacher had a, a person in his family who had been divorced in some unpleasant circumstances, and maybe he'd been preaching the truth about this before, but he wouldn't now. It just was too hard, and he would back away from it. And then you had some congregations that would pop up, and, and they would, you know what? If you wanted to divorce your wife and marry your secretary, 
you wanted to be a part of that church because they were just going to be aloof to this. They were good with this. And you choose. We won't, we won't talk to you about this because this is too difficult a subject. And what I came to say is this. That's what's about to happen with homosexuality. And it's already happening. It is already happening in some of our congregations. And so, what I decided to do tonight is talk about this. I, I, I hope that I haven't... Um, crossed any lines of sensitivity. I just thought it was, you know what? We just have to talk about it. We've got to talk about it. Ultimately, this subject is about Christ and his Bible. And so Psalm 1 in verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12 said, and this is just a, a vision of, of the judgment day. And he says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Incidentally, I'm in the small category. It's going to be, everybody's going to be there, of course. And there are going to be some greats. There are going to be some names in judgment that you would recognize because they were the greats. I'm one of the smalls. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of the things written in the books. I think there'll be three books. There's going to be the book of life, and he's mentioned that here. There's going to be the book of deeds, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or evil. There's going to be the book of deeds. I'm so thankful that God's got this great eraser and that when I'm forgiven, when my my sins are washed away in the blood of the Lamb, that he's not going to remember those sins anymore. But the book of deeds is going to be there. And the third one is the Bible, the book that we've been talking about tonight relative to this discussion, this gay thing. The Bible is going to be open there. So John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. the word which I speak, the same shall judge him in the last day. The world's gone crazy about homosexuality. I mean, it's gone crazy. It's breathtaking in a land of freedom that people have become so intolerant, intolerant of, of the simple teachings of, of the New Testament, the Bible, the Word of God. It's not that the Bible changed, it's that people changed. And now there's this massive movement. I think that that one day in America, if America stands, that we'll probably lose our religious freedoms. That's not pessimism. I'm just I'm just thinking that that's probably what's going to happen in one one day. And church is going to still stand. We're still going to push on. But I think it will probably be on this subject that it will happen. I think that the religious freedoms are going to be sacrificed on the altar of homosexual rights because there's no middle ground. There's, I, don't, I don't think there's, I mean, there, if what I said from Scripture tonight is the truth, and it is, there's no middle ground about this. It's either right or it's wrong. The Bible is just not ambiguous. You've been very kind to listen, and you have been, uh, all of you kids have been nice and quiet for this whole sermon. I appreciate that. I'm really glad to see you. And I hope that this is something that you'll go home and you'll talk to your folks about, and, and, um, Get their insights and, and talk to your 
hope you preachers will preach about it. I hope you elders will be shepherds and shepherd the flock along this, this treacherous path. And let's, let's be sure, whatever else is true, that you and I stand with the Word of God. We always do, that we stand with the Word of God, no matter what anybody else says. Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Is there someone here tonight who would like to become a Christian? Christianity is, is not merely something you use to fit your own preferences. Christianity is a yielding. It's a yielding to Christ. I, I want to be his disciple. And to, this morning we talked about how the Christians are the slaves of Christ. It's a great concept. But you need to count the cost and decide that's what it means. I'm going to be a disciple, a student of Jesus. And if you've made up your mind, I want to be a Christian, then you can repent of your sins based on your knowledge of the, the Scripture and what's required of you to believe that he's the Son of God. And then based on that, you can repent of your sins and confess him. I believe that Jesus is God's Son, and tonight we'll be so happy to baptize you, immerse you into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you, if you need the prayers of the Christians for whatever reason, we'll be glad to do that with you tonight. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. If you'd like to respond, come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.